Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. New York City. Your boy KM. Inside the 10 o'clock hour. As we proceed. Talking sports, watching the sports. Keandre Miller. Shout out to the Rangers. I'm obviously a Devils fan, but that was a good game. Paulie was watching, I was watching it. I'm seeing the reaction on Twitter. Probably was a really exciting game to watch at Madison Square Garden. I saw my guy uh, Randy Wilkins was there. Shout out to Randy. Randy is the mind behind the captain doc. If you guys remember that from this summer with Derek Jeter, Randy was the producer of that. He was in the garden tonight and yeah, we're just talking around the sports, man. Keeping it moving. Tuesday, baby, Tuesday. Uh, I'm looking at the NBA, and I'm sorry. I'm just excited about this. I'm pumped about this. I'm a Nets fan. I'm in here wearing full-on Nets gear, and uh, <laughs> I hope the Wizards are able to f- find a way to beat the Bucks here. And the Thunder smacked the Celtics. <laughs> when I go home tonight, I'm not going to sleep because I'm going to turn on League Pass and see what went on there? The Thunder are like that sometimes. Let me look at this box score. Like Knicks fans know the Thunder are like that sometimes. The Thunder just like are on one like once a month. Maybe it's the new year. They caught the Celtics off guard tonight. Maybe the, the Celtics were missing somebody. Let's see. Uh, nope, they got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Grant Williams. Uh, yep, they had everybody they needed. Um... They don't have the time, Lord, but he's been out. Who went off for OKC? Josh Giddy, Lou Dort. They didn't even go off. They just had average games, and it's a team game because I'm looking at all five starters and their first guy off the bench, Trey Mann, uh, in double digits. I have to see with my own eyes what's going on there. And as I look at the standings, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Boston Celtics are 26-11. and 11. After this game concludes in a few minutes, they will be 26 and 12. The Brooklyn Nets step back on the court tomorrow in Chicago against the Bulls. Bulls could end their win streak. I've got respect for the Bulls, even though they're having a down year. They're 16 and 21. But if the Nets somehow win that game tomorrow for 13 wins in a row, they'll be 26 and 12, tied with the Celtics for the best record in the NBA. Put some respect on it. This is what they did not want. This is what they hate to see. I understand. They wanted the Nets to fail. They wanted it to be a disaster. They view Katie and Kyrie as villains. Ben Simmons, too. Three of the most hated players in the NBA. But you know what? They are controlling what they can control, which is the basketball, which is what they do on the court. So... Brooklyn, I'll see y'all at Barclays soon. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make an effort to be at more games. It got toxic early, protest outside. You guys know the whole thing with Kyrie. It's just like nobody wants to go there and have to deal with all that. And I stayed away for a little while, but shout out to the Nets. They got it going. And shout out to the Nets. They sent me a nice little Christmas gift. I still love y'all. I still love y'all. It's just, you know, sometimes you gotta stay away. But now it's time to go back. And 
there's fans there at every game. They sell out every game. And the ticket prices are high as I ever remember them being in Brooklyn. People are going to see the Nets. It isn't that people are going to see the visiting teams. It took 10 years, but the Nets world has been built in Brooklyn. Flatbush and Atlantic. You guys know how to get there. All the trains go there. Go see which might be the best basketball team in the NBA. I said it. I said it. Coming up. Coming up. And, yeah, in hockey, coming up, the Islanders should be starting or underway. Getting eyes on that now if we can. Uh, Islanders, Canucks, 10 p.m. Probably just getting started. But let's get back to the phones. Thanks for calling up. 877-337-6666. Obviously, anyone that wants to call up and put out prayers and good energy for DeMar Hamlin, more than welcome to. I just think we've said pretty much everything that there is to say. So we've brought in some other topics tonight. And anytime there's an update or any you know new information that I get online, I will share with you right now. The only thing that we got tonight was that he's down to 50%. So he's uh, half half breathing on his own and half with the tube that they had to put in his throat yesterday. It's horrible. It's terrible. But he's doing somewhat better. And he's a young 24-year-old super athlete. So we're praying that he pulls through and that he fights this thing and he's able to make a full recovery. Okay, now back to you on the phones. Let's go to Lewis, my guy out in Brooklyn. Hello, Lewis. Yeah, I'm just down about, you know, I didn't know that you were on yesterday. I would have loved to hear you. And and those are the best shows when you're not prepared and it comes raw emotions and you must have been unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how you did it. I mean, I... Let me ask you a question, Keith, and maybe it's naive. I got to ask you, what happens in hockey? They check the person. I mean, how are you going to prevent this injury? It wasn't That's, like a yeah. helmet to the head. That's something I said. I'm like, what, they hit hard in the hockey. Do? Like, and, and in hockey, these guys don't even get medical attention. They just climb over the thing and, and go off. There's nothing that you can do to prevent this. This wasn't a malicious hit. It wasn't a, a helmet to helmet. No. It wasn't. It was. He it was, was a regular defense. football play. That too, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a tackle, and, and what was scary was he got up and then crumpled. Yes, that, he got that, up. Yeah, that shook me. I'm like, oh man, he just went limp. That's not good. And then when you see grown men, the toughest of toughest, in tears with right. their hands over their faces, yeah. I I knew it had to be. Well, I heard because besides the fact that he collapsed, they witnessed them working on him and that wasn't yes. so simple yeah. either you know yeah they uh, but that was good that they got medical attention right away that must yes. have saved them I they mean. were on it and and i and i give kudos to the nfl i know people want to be negative and say oh never forget that the nfl took an hour to postpone that game never mind that they postponed the game what the most important thing was they they were called to action and they acted and they saved this guy's life and uh, yeah. I, I said earlier in my show, and I said last night, I was watching the game. I watched every play. Literally, when T. Higgins caught the ball, I said, T. Higgins? Like, they're about to get T. Higgins going. I think I probably had T. Higgins in a parlay somewhere. He turns up field, and he goes to protect himself by covering the ball and lowering his shoulder. Wow. His helmet hits DeMar Hamlin right in the chest, and he wow. gets up. But when he gets up, cardiac arrest. Like, it's just like this is an act of God. This is one of those things that no one could prevent, no one could predict, but at least yeah, at least they know, acted he, on it, right? I said Tamar Johnson he, went down, number seven, who's um, another DB for the Bills. He went down first, and they tended to him, so I felt like they were alert. 
and they 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 jumped to you know get to this young man quickly and get him out of there, and then that was it. You know, when you see injuries, you at least see the person moaning and groaning and crying or holding on to something. This was like he was out cold. I mean, I'm happy. Yeah, he was unconscious. Breathing because. You know, you said, and I heard on the on the update that he's fifty percent breathing. Because today, the medical knowledge that was on, the professionals that were on, were saying that they're concerned that he's not breathing on his own. Right. That you know, be a bad sign, and that's very important that he's breathing. You know, and his mother was at the game, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Feel bad for her having to ride with him in the ambulance and not knowing she what was going to happen. It all. Like she witnessed it all. Yeah, that's traumatizing. Uh, you know, prayers for his whole family. That you know what they had to go through. No one should have to go through. And like I said, this young man was living his dream, playing in, in the biggest game of his life, making a routine play, and then boom, we're all just watching this game. Like, wow, what just happened? And do you think? After he's better, hopefully he could come back and play or be affected by it. Like I, I, I don't know. I can't call it. That? My opinion on it is I just think that's too far down the line. I remember with Ryan Shazier, right? We were just we just wanted him to walk. I remember when uh, right. Eric Legrand, who played for Rutgers, got hurt. We just wanted to see them progress um, to to regular life. Football is a game. It is a, 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 a fun game that we all love to watch and, and a sport, but there are other things in life. We just want this young man to be able to get out of that hospital. Bed. Right. But, Keith, let me ask you something. If you were on the NFL rule committees, what could you do to prevent it? Nothing. Nothing. nothing you can do. Nothing. You just, you just chalk it up. Like I said, it's an act of God. It's not a positive thing, but it's one of those things that no one could call, predict, or prevent. It's not going to stop them from playing this weekend. There's no new rules that they can put in. There's no new equipment that they can implement. You know, maybe they can, I don't know, try to make the shoulder pads better, but I just think it was one of those things. It was a direct shot, like something out of a movie or a comic book, like, like, you know, not trying to make light of it or make a joke out of it, but I think Thanos, didn't they have to hit Thanos in the heart? And, like, that's stuff that they write up in fiction. Like, he literally got hit in a spot where... He, his, wow. his heart stopped. Yeah, one in a million chance. They could run that wow. play. They could run that play uh, an, another hundred thousand times, and he can make that tackle hundred thousand times, and that might not happen. But last night, wow. the world watching. I don't know. God just kind of gave us all a reality check. Like, yeah, you guys are all tuned into Monday Night Football, and you know you got parlays and. I mean, I said last night, and some people took it the wrong way, but that's on them and not me. I said I, I came into that game in my fantasy football championship. I had $800 on the line. It's not important. I came into that game with a couple hundred dollars in parlays, and, uh, you know, I cashed. Right, uh, right. I won $100 on Tyler Boyd first touchdown. But, like, none of that matters. When I looked at FanDuel today, right. everything was void, and FanDuel had a message about what, you know, happened with that game. And then even in my fantasy football chat, it's me and Cameron Mabin in the championship. Cameron Mabin doesn't need $800. I don't need $800, but we'd like it. So they chopped it up and they said, hey, you know, you'll get five. He'll get five. And, uh, wow. you know, we'll see We'll see what happens. If, if they don't play this game, you guys will split the pot. We said, okay. You know, obviously we were all in the chat. Like, none of this really matters. We were all down about it. We were like, you know, it's been a good year, a good fantasy football league. We'll run it back next year. It sucks that, like, it came to this. Wow. Keith, 
I wanted to ask you, oh, you know, they did say years ago that someone had died on the field and the NFL continued the game. I think it was Detroit yeah. against Martin Chicago. Martin Roberts. Yep, I heard them talking oh about God, it. That was before my great. time. I don't remember that. I never saw that. No, I don't. I, I know about Daryl Stingley that got uh, injured, paraplegic. Uh, get, by, I think it was Green Bay against the Raiders. And um, I think it was Jack Tatum that, you know, whatever. Well, I'm going to get off the phone, but uh, just to end on a good note, could you just tell me, like, what's with this week? Uh, not just the Cowboys, but the Giants have to beat the Eagles, and if the Cowboys yeah. beat the Commanders, yep. then they get first place. Yep. If you Here could we talk go. about this week. Here we go. Jerry Jones yeah. is cursed, so no matter how it, you know, gets decided, the Cowboys aren't winning anything this year, but the Cowboys could get the number one seed if – the Cowboys beat the Commanders if the Giants beat the Eagles and the Cardinals beat the Niners. That's not going to happen. I don't see Arizona beating the the 49ers with David Blau at quarterback. The Cowboys could get the two seed, which they don't want, but if they win and the Giants win and San Francisco wins, I think that two seed is coming. And with that two seed, I believe they might match up with Aaron Rodgers, and that's a nightmare. I've, I've lived that nightmare, and we'll see how it all shakes out. The five seed is um, if Philadelphia beats the Giants, they secure the one seed, and the Cowboys are in the five seed. That's what we want, Lewis. As Cowboys fans, we want the Cowboys to face old man Tom Brady and that Bucks team that is not the team that they were the last couple years, and maybe the Cowboys can advance, but I wouldn't even put that past them. Tom Brady is undefeated against the Dallas Cowboys, something like 7-0 and in his career. He beat them the first game this year. He beat them the first game last year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys choke artists, go to Tampa and lose again. And Lewis is gone. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'll, I'll start talking and then I'll wait to, you know, I, I like to let the caller speak and have a conversation and I, I wait for you guys. To, you know, he said he's getting off the phone, but I'll say something. I'll wait for your response. I try not to hang up on anybody. And then I look back and you're gone. That's okay. But yeah, that's an interesting scenario coming up. Brian Dable said he's not sitting anybody. Of course not. He said no. Certainly not. He plans on playing all of his guys. Of course. I mean, if you're a Giants fan, you just saw Doug Peterson talk about how, oh, every game matters. <laughs> Doug Peterson, now head coach of the Jaguars, talking about, oh, yeah, rest it. No, every every game matters. What? What happened to Nate Sudfield and that whole thing from a couple years back when the Giants had won like four or five games in a row and they needed that game for them to get in the playoffs and they didn't do it. They they benched uh, their starter and went to Sudfield or something like that. Well, now the Giants have a chance to beat Philly and knock them out of the one seed and kind of stick it to them. And we'll see what Jalen Hurts looks like. He'll probably have some rust. He's better than Gardner Minshew. But I, I think it'll be fun. I was looking at some clips of him in practice. I'm like, he's good. They're just being cautious because they think they can win it all this year. Who knows, Giants fans? Tell me how you're feeling about this one. I think this is a week, especially with what just happened with DeMar Hamlin. They're going to be getting guys off their feet. No one is really going to, unless you got a win to be in, like this uh, Titans-Jaguars game, like this Lions-Packers game. But if you're already in, Depending on how the game goes, once you get in the second half, late third quarter, fourth quarter, there's no point in risking it. And like I said, after we just saw a, a traumatic injury, a young man uh, taken to the hospital in the first quarter where the game gets postponed, 
that's going to be fresh in everyone's mind. You're not going to be running your starters out there in the fourth quarter to win a, a, a meaningless, quote-unquote, meaningless game. Let's go to Bruce out in Brooklyn. Hey, Keith. You know, I really enjoy your show. I'm really glad you're on, and I uh, hope uh, 2023 holds a lot of good stuff for you. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Hey. Uh, but I called up because, uh, you know, becoming a Giant fan, when I became a Giant fan, Alex Webster was the head coach. I don't remember what year that was, but I was like 10 or 11 years old. And all my friends, everyone I knew was a Jets fan because the Jets had just won the Super Bowl and they had Joe Namath and everything. So I was contrary. I became a Giant fan. And it was, it, I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made because I've I've seen five Super Bowls yeah. in my lifetime, four Super Bowl wins. And, you know, being a Giant fan has its ups and downs, but they always seem to correct themselves. Yeah. You know, they always seem to get on the right track. And uh, I think in the 70s, the Giants really established their, uh, you know, their mentality of uh, strong defense and a strong running game. I think that's what, what the Giants have been built on all these years. And it's been a pretty good proposition. I mean, you know, there isn't a, a lot of drama. <laughs> like with the Yankees, you have all that, uh, you know, drama. But they, the Giants always seem, they give you some bad years, but they seem to correct themselves. And, and here's you know, now they've got Brian Dayball, the future looks bright. And, you know, I just thought, you know, hey, that was a really good decision I made becoming a Giant fan when I was like 10. Certainly. Um, if you became a Jets fan, it'd be a little different. So I just looked up uh, Alex Webster. He was a coach from 1969 to 1973. And, uh, I mean, I can't imagine how fun it was to watch the Giants back then. Um, you know, those are way different times. But the Giants have so much history and their fan base is so strong. And I, I even have a drop. I heard it today for the first time talking about, you know, the, the G-men are known for playoffs and playoff runs and um, tradition and winning Super Bowls. And for the last few years, it looked like they were lost. For the last few years, it looked like something was up internally. Just not the Giants, not the G-men, not Big Blue's way. And in one offseason, they get a new GM, a new head coach, and they're right back in the playoffs when no one had them as a playoff team. If you're a Giants fan, you are are super happy with year one of your rebuild. This might be one of the best rebuilds we've seen in the NFL in a long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the beginning of the year, I was like, if the Giants can snag the third wild card team, that would be the third wild card spot. That would be a really successful year. But this season has been, this was a really excellent season from the Titans game on to, uh, you so know, it's just London. been a really, a really good season. And the Giants give you that, you know, as a fan, they'll give you a really good season. I mean, you know, it's the nature of being a fan. You got to root for the team when they're, uh, when they stink. And, yep. you know, you lose for the team when they're, and then hopefully they give you some good years. Loyalty, you know, and the Giants yep. do. They come through for you. 
They give you some really good years. And I'll tell you something else. You know, Saquon Barkley is more than just a run-of-the-mill dime a dozen running back. No, he's special. He's a special person off the field. He's a special person. They need to keep him on the team. He's a great teammate. He's a great What a great story. I, great I hope he wins Comeback Player around. of the Year. I hope he does win that Comeback Player of the Year because, you know, fans of the Giants had wrote him off. You know, he had the ankle injury, the knee injury, and they're like, oh, he'll never be the same. He's cooked. He's done. He's not the same Saquon. Well, you saw flashes of that this year, and I think if, uh, you know, they they play it right with him in this next contract and they have another back, like you saw Breida getting some carries, you need some other backs. It can't always be on Saquon. Saquon has to be a weapon. Saquon has to be the guy you count on to get a yard, but he can't be first down, second down, third down only option. Wait till they get some receivers and it opens it up for Saquon more. Uh, I think he's he's the leader of this team, a captain of this team, comeback player of the year. I'm excited to see what he does in the playoffs. Daniel Jones, too. Don't count these guys out. I'm not. I can't. I did it once. I'm not going to do it again. I thought they were going to turn back into a pumpkin. When they lost all those games after the Texans game, they lost to the Lions. They lost to the Cowboys. They tied the Commanders. They lost to the Eagles. I'm like, these, these guys, are. they're reverting back to what we thought they were. No one thought they were a playoff team. They're reverting back to what our expectations were. And this this coaching staff said, no, nah, no, nah, we've come too far to, you know, piss this away. We're this close. We've got to win a couple games down the stretch to get in, the extra wild card, and they did it. So if you're a Giants fan, you're happy because in the last couple years, you've had some miserable Sundays at the stadium, at home, primetime embarrassing games, and this year they they put it together uh, when you weren't really expecting it. You know, you thought the coach was right. You thought the GM was right. But how much could they really affect the team in a couple months? A lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think Coach Gable is going to be competitive against the Eagles because he was competitive in the preseason games. He's always competitive. That's his thing. And I think they're going to be uh, – I think it's going to be a good game. And I'll tell you, any – the Eagles have definitely replaced the Cowboys as my main, you most know, hated. enemy. <laughs> most hated but, team. Uh, any hate, win, hate any, well. <laughs> any, any win over the Eagles is uh, is big for me. You know. Agreed. Thanks for the call, Bruce. We got to take another break, but I I I echo that. Watching uh, Taysom Hill and uh, the Saints beat the Eagles this past weekend, <laughs> hold them to ten points. I'm like. I knew they weren't going undefeated, and I knew that they would come back down to earth at one point. Let's see what they do in the playoffs after Jalen Hurts has been sitting down for a little while. If he's supposed to be this MVP, we're going to find out. Keith McPherson on the fan. Let's take this break. When we come back, more of your calls right after this. Argue about it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Let's not argue about it. I don't want to argue with y'all. I'm on for five hours. What do I look like arguing with you for five hours? Like, I'd rather not. I'd really rather not. I think we can all speak respectfully on air. (laughs) I think we can have a regular conversation. Do you argue with people that you don't know? Wrong place to ask is in New York City. (laughs) Yeah, there are arguments going on between complete strangers right outside of these doors right now. Underground, on the streets, in stores. 
It's part of the culture, part of the vibe. All day, every day in New York City. Literally every day. Every day. But we don't have to bring that to the radio. I mean, I'm not a stranger. You know me a little bit now, right? I mean, don't call me up and yell. Don't call me up and argue. Argue about it. No, 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 no. Maybe do that later. Sal's coming up, right? <laughs> call Sal and say something to piss Sal off. He'll be ready to tighten you up. You won't get long. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing Sal Akata tonight. Back on the fan. Was watching Sal on Baseball Night in New York with JJ. And, uh, man, I, I think it's great. Like, Baseball Night in New York, I think it's all year round. My MLB show is just during the season. But, like, they were coming up with, like, New Year's resolutions for, you know, each team or what player is going to have the best 2023. And I'm like, I guess you can talk about baseball all year. If you have people producing it and uh, people that know baseball and can talk about it, you could have a baseball show all year round, which is specifically about two teams, the Yankees and the Mets. No calls about the Yankees and the Mets? I think I have one. Let's go to Rob. South Ozone Park. What's up, Robert? What up, Keith? How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Hanging in there. That's what's up, man. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Same to you. Um, what I wanted first, I want to apologize because I follow you on Twitter, and when you was when you was on the the whole Yankees kick, you know, what I'm saying I threw a little. I'm you know, still on the Yankees kick. I'm always on the. Yankees I know kick. that, but I was, <laughs> but but when you, when you was high on the mountain, and, and you know, it was like, you know, you. you 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 said some comments like that were real, like you know, saying real pro Yankee, and, and I'm a Mets fan, <laughs> so you know I had to throw a, I had to throw a little shade your way, you know. All good. Yankee. That's that's part of Twitter too. So, and I like to I, I like to dig apologize. at people. I like to troll. I like to fire people up and get <laughs> under their skin too, because I I know it's easy. It's it's super easy. People are gonna For react real. to that type of stuff, especially in season. Uh, we'll get there again. Yep, Subway series. We'll get there again. That's right. Especially when you know when you're passionate about your team, it's you know you take your things personal. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yep. I'll be there. Yeah. Probably not doing 40, 50 games again this year. But okay. I, I'm a liar. I'm, the thing about it, I'm just going to go uh, to the stadium because I naturally feel like going to the game. I said yep. I said yep. this past year, I'm like, nah, I'm on the radio now. I can't go to 40, 50 games. I went to more the most games I ever went to this past <laughs> season. I hear you. You're being posted. You're like, ah, I want to go. You don't say you want to be part of the game and stuff. So I understand that totally, brother. So what I wanted to say was that you mentioned on Twitter, which I started with, with I, you, I commented and you liked my comment about McFadden's. I did the 2015 postseason at McFadden's, and it was the most fun I had because, first of all, you amongst you amongst your peers, you know, all these Mets fans and everybody, you know, just passionate about the whole situation. On top of that, you right on right upstairs is where it's going on. Yeah. So you go to the right, why, and you can enter. You show your ticket, and you can enter the stadium. It's lit. I've done exactly. it. Exactly. I've been in there, and I dig it because those are the those are the places that that city field needs around them. Because I know you guys got the Billy's Bar right across the street, and all that whole strip right there mm -hmm. is lit. It's it's crazy lit during games. Two hours before the game, that. two hours after the game. Exactly. Trust me, it's hard to get in those places. <laughs> So my point is that I can't. I, I appreciate you bringing the fact that the Mets need to add that, and I'm ho I'm hoping that I know Uncle Steve is, is, is he's got his hands on it. That whole area is gonna be is gonna be lit, and I really appreciate what Steve Cohen is doing for these Mets. And one more thing, I remember right before you got hired, right when you got hired by FAN, I think uh, Craig and Evan interviewed you, 
and it was right where you was going to go on your honeymoon to Puerto Rico. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just wanted to say I hope my homeland treats you well, my brother. Love Puerto Rico. Can't wait to go back. Yeah. I appreciate you, my man. Keep up the good work. I'm going to be following you all the time. Thanks for the call, Robert. Good call. See, we can, you know, we can be on different sides. Mets, Yankees, not argue. And he even came back from. You said I wasn't feeling you this summer. You said some pro Yankee things, and I was probably getting at you on Twitter. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm not holding it against anybody. But yes, McFadden's has to come back. And I know Mets fans and Yankees fans listening understand that there is a way different vibe in the Bronx when you come to a game versus Queens coming to a game. Now I went. I've been to McFadden's. McFadden's wasn't there this year. But when I went to the Subway Series this year, we were tailgating by the marina. And that was my first time ever, like, drinking and tailgating in the parking lot over there. I didn't even know that existed. I'm like, all right, I guess this is cool. I saw a seven-line Lexi and Darren and a couple other people that I knew that knew the bleacher creatures. They had, like, speakers set up, like a DJ. Darren passed me a beer. I was like, all right, cool. Um, but I didn't even know that that was an alternative. Like, that was the furthest I've ever walked sure. away from City Field was over to the marina. The marina is a popular spot. If you can't get a, a spot in the main lot, uh, the marina is a fun area because you're right underneath the Van Wick Expressway. You're right underneath the White Zone The main Expressway. lot you're referring to is by the train? By the train, Right yeah. when you come down yeah, from the right train? When you, right, right by the, you know, the 30-second walk from they the They were turned up the... over there, too, but yes, I ended were. up parking... In like media parking, of course, I you know, why wouldn't I put in a request? Hey, coming to the game, uh, not really used to coming over here. Can you save me a spot? Yeah, I think I was in lot B. I think A was full, so they put me in B or something like that. And I was right across from like the auto body shop. (laughs) Like, why is there an auto body shop? Like, I know it's it's probably been there for years, and and obviously they built the new stadium, the new ballpark, City Field. But, like, imagine if that was, like, the Yankees have have the dugout, and then there's Yankee Tavern, and, and then, then there's Billy's, Billy's yeah. and then there's Stands, and then there's, um, there's, like, the Bronx Draft House, and then there's a bodega. Like, we have around Yankee Stadium, and even we have we have a parking deck where people are, are pre-gaming in the same way you guys are drinking at your cars. People are doing that at the top of it's, the parking deck. The scene outside Yankee Stadium is so above what the scene sh- is outside City Field. It's not it's like it's a different planet and it shouldn't be. And hopefully when the when Steve Cohen starts about building up that area and getting rid of, you know, the car shops and the tire shops, et cetera, et cetera, hopefully we can get a little bit of that Queen's flair back. Billy's it's 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 ridiculous. You you go inside Billy's at noon on a Saturday. You think it's midnight at some club on a Saturday it night. It is a club. It's insane. The Yankee Club. It's a club with everybody wearing pinstripes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the lights are out. The, the, the DJs the, rocking. The lights are going. People are getting shots. There's it, multiple bars, bathrooms, outside area. It's twelve fifteen. You see g- girls in there like it's eleven thirty at night. It, it is bananas in there. Yeah, those are my guys over there. Shout out to Joey, George, the rest of the gang at Billy's, man. I remember, I, I mean, before I was doing any radio, before I was doing any social media stuff, I would just be in Billy's before the game, after the game, getting hammered. It's a great I, – I've been to Billy's a few times, not as many as, ever, as Yankee fans. It's an incredible time. It is such a good time there. I think it used to be a movie theater. And then they turn it into a club, and it's just huge. It, it, it's never at capacity, but there's always a deep line. Like, when you come out 
from a game, and like that's something I missed this year. I said it on air. Like I'm I'm leaving the game at the top of the ninth. There was a couple games where I couldn't leave. I'm one foot out the door. Aaron Judge walks us off against Toronto or against Houston or against the Royals, and I'm running to my car to get out of there. But there were some nights where I was like, I would love to walk out of this stadium and right into Billy's and celebrate this win with everybody. Because that energy that you get after a Yankees win, everybody is buying drinks, dancing, partying. They have to kick people out. They got to send people home. Right, and it's like that. It's not just like that for big wins and big series and playoff. It is like that for a regular season win on a Tuesday night. It would say 80% of home games. I mean, there's going to be games where, where it's pretty dead. But besides, even if they win, but the majority of the time, it is insane over Even there. when they lose. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> When he, we lose, we booze even harder. The Yankees lose the game. People are like, well, I'm out here. Might as well go turn up at Billy's. Right. And there's also a lot of Yankees fans that aren't really fans. I see that all the time. These people don't care what happened in the game. They strictly came here to get wasted and get drunk and have a good time. Not knocking you. That's what you do in the summertime in New York. You go to the game. It's just a different vibe when you go to the Bronx versus Queens. And that's the next thing for yes. Money Bag Co. Yes. Like, change that area around City Field. Yes. Even me driving there, I'm just like, when you drive there, you want to be able to park and then indulge. You want to be able to walk into a bar or something. McFadden's was great when I went a few years back. I I loved McFadden's when it was around. I thought it was a great idea. It was the first of its kind. We weren't used to that. Growing up, going to Shea Stadium, there was nothing. It was yeah, I never same, went to Shea. There was it, no, there was not not one bar nothing, to go to. Nothing. It was all tire and car shop. The same bars been there from old Yankee Stadium to new yep. Yankee Stadium. There was nothing at Shea. No, it, it was nothing. So all the tailgating would be in lots, you know, in the Shea Stadium lot, obviously by the marina. That that was obviously that's been there forever, and like little nooks and crannies that you can find, you know, drinking by the seven line, not the fans, but the actual seven line train. Drinking on the Long Island Railroad, drinking on go. the on the subway—that's part but of we've the never, culture. But we've never had that uh, a Billy stands type situation over at City Field, and hopefully, as the team gets better and as Steve Cohen really gets more of you know a, a grab on the area, hopefully, we can start to develop that. Yeah, I think it's on the way. I think he knows and. McFadden's is still physically there, right? Yes. They just got to clean it up or do and something to it. And there used to be like it. a microbrewery there as well. That's I think there's some there's something similar to that that is still there, but it's not what it used to be. So um, there's some work to be done. There's definitely some work to be done to build the outside of it. But honestly, for, if you're a Met fan, on the field. You care about the on the field product. Sure, you. yeah, because you can't compete with on us. On the field product. Pre game, post game. You can't the Yankees got you beat for probably ever with the uh vibe in the Bronx. The BX is, is crazy. I I love all of like when I get in the Yankee land, it's just like a different feeling getting off that train. Whether you take the four or you take the B or D and then you hop out and you just see a sea of Yankees fans going every different direction, people out there selling water, selling hats. Uh, there's different characters out there that live in the Bronx. You see some creatures for real, not the bleacher creatures, some other type of creatures. I've had some good times out there. Shout out to Twins, too. I can't leave out Twins. Twins has, like, really emerged in the last two years because, like, 2021 they came up when there was, like, outside dining. They built, they built their, like, outside dining area more, and then they put a DJ there, and that became the new spot. Bodega... 
We stopped going to Bodega after. They shut the Bodega down after the games. I guess, I don't know, I don't want to speak too much on what the reasons are. Shout out to the Bodega. But Twins became the new spot after the game. If you can't get in the Billies, you don't have to stand in line in Billies. There's people partying and dancing, and you can order drinks right there. It's it's a it's a ridiculous vibe. I've been to 16 ballparks. I'm trying to think if anywhere rivals that. Wrigleyville. Wrigleyville is awesome. Like, when you come out of a Cubs game and you start walking down the streets, there's a, there's plenty of bars out there. Fenway has a good amount of bars outside Never been Fenway. to Fenway. Never You've never been, been, to, been Fenway. to Fenway. I don't like the Red Sox. I can't even – like, I couldn't – for years, I couldn't imagine myself going Re- to a game d- there. It, that's it. I will Hon- eventually. Honestly, and I'm from yesterday, so the winter, the NHL Winter Classic was at Fenway yesterday. Looked awesome. And it was so it looks so damn cool with the what the NHL is doing with the outdoor games. I think it's the most innovative thing going on in all of pro sports. And I know the it, NHL is a niche product. I understand it, but, but it's what, a great activation. It is so smart what they're doing. Next year they're doing it at Safeco in Seattle. Yeah, between the Kraken Knights. and the Golden Knights. But besides that, Fenway's an American institution. I've driven by it. You gotta. You have to go in there. Don't you don't even need to go for a Yankee game. Go no, in there in generic clothes and experience. It's a on game. the list, but I needed to grow up some because younger me, I'm like I'm definitely gonna end up squaring up with somebody in there. Don't you you, you don't have to go. I was gonna say <laughs> what your next stuff. Never mind. Where my next stuff? Wait. Nah, I just like I I have started on my conquest or whatever years ago to see all the ballparks, and going to Boston, it's not close. I don't like the Red Sox, their fans, um, and then years ago. You know what I'm talking about. I'm a black dude. The racism out there. I'm like, I'm going to end up punching somebody in the face if they try me wrong in Fenway Park. I don't. Uh, it's not Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium, we're good. In Boston, I'm not trying to get arrested in Boston, but I think it's different now. I've made friends with Jared Carabas. I have to hit up Carabas or some of the other uh, influencers. Sit next to Carabas at a game. I'll be fine. Nothing's now. gonna happen. I'm, a, I'm an old man now. I'm talking about when I was like 24. I'm like, nah, I can't go to Fenway. I'll get in a fight. Fights break out in Yankee Stadium. I've seen 20 fights inside. Speaking to the outside area, I've seen I've seen multiple people be knocked out right on the street in front of Billy's. It's just part of it. It's just part of it. All right, let's get back to the calls. But, yeah, shout out to uh, Yankee Land, River Ave, Billy's, Twins, the Dugout, Stands, Yankee Tavern, Bodega, Bronx Draft House, all the vibes around there, and McFadden's. Returning in 2023, we're in 2023. Make it happen, Money Bag Co. Make it happen, Mets. Make it happen, McFadden's. Andrew, out in Portland, Oregon. I already gave you a shout out for the uh, McKinney, <laughs> the McKinney assist on Twitter. What do you got for us tonight, bro? Yeah, man. I mean, that was that was nice. Yeah, I was I was uh, trying to actually call in or listen to you a little before that, but uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. It, it's kind of cool, you know. You got. You got your kids on your show. You got some of the older diehards, and then you got the knuckleheads like me that you you talk to on your show. You know, so I appreciate it. Um, you know, honestly, initially I was you know just kind of wanting to call in and talk about uh, Demar Hamlin. You know, but you guys already touched on that plenty enough. You know, just just horrible was happened last night. But like you said, that the great things that have sort of happened in the last twenty four hours out of out of some tragedy like that is is kind of a more powerful to see, you know, the, the power of sports, but, right, uh, the positive, you know, you know, earlier, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, earlier you and uh, Paul, you guys were talking about, you know, the giants, you know, I'm, I'm a big, big Cowboys fan. I think I've, uh, you know, talked about that before, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm hoping the Cowboys end up winning the NFC East this weekend, but, you know, you're talking New York giants, 
Um, you know, the Giants have, have uh, two, you know, products from the state of Oregon, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau's from, you know, from the Ducks. And yep. uh, I'm, I'm from, you know, I, I'm a Oregon State Beaver alum. And, you know, Isaiah Hodgins is, is leading, leading the path, you know, you know. Touchdown I, I, maker. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember, exactly. I remember him having a, I think it was 12 or 13 touchdowns one season, you know, for his, his last year for the Beavers. So yep. big, big touchdown threat. But, um you know, uh, you know, it's, I'm sitting here hoping uh, my my Vancouver Canucks here can beat the, the New York Islanders. Uh, you know, you you were talking the Rangers earlier tonight, but uh, you know, just just you know, wanted to wish you guys a happy New Year. And you know, before I go here, uh, you know, the, you were kind of talking Yankees there for a second. I I think the the Yankees, you know, they could ship someone in from from out west. You know, maybe maybe they get someone from the San Diego Padres, a lefty swinger like Trent. Trent Grisham or mm. something like that, but I, I think I think the Yankees. It's pretty pretty obvious, you know. The, the Yankees, I think, got to just roll with what they got. It's it's easy to say, but uh, Oswaldo Cabrera should be uh, given a hard look as the the left fielder for the Yankees. You let him play. You let him play second base from time to time or right field when Judge is going to DH. You know, you said Giancarlo might spot a day and left, but towards the end of the season. Oswaldo Cabrera was the one of the most electric pieces for the New York Yankees, making plays left and right in the outfield, getting a big home run from the lefty side from time to time, getting a big hit. He was pure emotion. He was something to fire the team up. Shipping in, shipping in players from other teams has not worked as well for the Yankees these last couple of years. You know, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is a great ball player, but kind of want to upgrade from him if you're going to win a championship josh donaldson's a great glove but you know so is so you know so is oswald oswald peraza oswald peraza excuse me and oswald cabrera was a, a stud in the in the outfield maybe he ends up getting a few more hits if you let him roll for a full season you let him be a rover you let dj and Kleber shift from time you know they kind of have a platoon at second base mm-hmm. you know i think i think the yankees got to take a serious look at a you know, you know, not every team the Yankees have is going to be the, the, you know, the core four and you haven't, you know, Bernie be the, you know, the fab five, you know, but that team was built on homegrown players and you got Anthony Volpe. Hopefully they give him a shot this year in spring training and hopefully some of the young guys can produce on the big stage because like you said, for left field options, unless you know, the Yankees aren't going to get fleeced in a trade for someone like Brian Reynolds quite yet, it seems, maybe during a trade deadline next season. But the the options are all kind of taken up. I was kind of hoping, you know, former Beaver, you know, Michael Conforto might have been a good lefty swing in Yankee Stadium. We'll, we'll see what happens with him in San Francisco. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it, the Yankees should be taking a serious look of what they have on the roster. We'll see what happens in spring training. And a team like that could be, just as powerful if you let the the vibe of the team with you know judge is the captain and 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 jose trevino behind the plate anthony rizzo you know harrison bader's a new fiery personality you know maybe he's this year's nick swisher you know who knows but uh you know appreciate it for having me on you know happy new year's to you guys great call thank you andrew appreciate you bro this guy's he knows his stuff he's always on yankees twitter and uh, he supported my show from the beginning. I'll take it from here with that. I, I like Oswaldo Cabrera. I think they need to change his number. He can't be wearing 95 out there like a, a defensive end, like Miles Garrett. But, you know, 
they get those numbers in spring training. Uh, Oswald Peraza had 91. We got to change their numbers this year. They came up at the end of last year. They gave the Yankees a spark. They showed that the stage wasn't too big. And I, I right away identified Oswaldo Cabrera as a guy that just knew. He looked like a Yankee. He was smiling ear to ear, being in Yankee Stadium, just being in the big stadium and not the small ballparks. When we did the roll call, he acknowledged the roll call by throwing like an air grenade, you know, pulling the top off and chucking it into Section 203. Benintendi didn't do anything like that. Benintendi looked like he didn't want a roll call. Too much Boston in his blood. So I'm all for them giving him a look at left field. I just don't think he should be the everyday left fielder in case it calls for it. Why do I say that? The kid played six positions last year. We saw him play first base, second base, third base, shortstop, right field, left field. Or maybe we didn't see him play third. I know it was six different positions. He played short and he played left. He played yeah. So I think he played left field, right field, shortstop, second base, first base, no, and third. There, that's six. Um, so he's a super utility guy, right? Marwin Gonzalez was tutoring him in spring training last year. A super utility guy. I wouldn't say super utility guy. This kid is a switch hitter. He's got a flair for the dramatic. Didn't he hit a home run in the? Uh, ALDS, I think he did. And he swagged it, too. It was a no-doubter for him. The kid looks like he belongs. I just know that the Yankees are going to rest people, and you want to have him available. Um, you want to have him as the option. But more and more, I'm looking at what the Yankees are doing here, and I'm thinking that he will be in play in left field. And they have depth. They have more depth than we actually are really thinking about, right? They have three shortstops. Volpe, Peraza, IKF. IKF also can play third. DJ can also play third. So you've got three third basemen when you add in Josh Donaldson. Second base, it's Glaber, it's DJ, but it's also Cabrera. And maybe one of Volpe or Peraza is going to play some second base this year. They have a ton of infield depth. First base is Rizzo, and DJ's played a lot of first base for the Yankees. We've seen that. So maybe Oswaldo Cabrera does need to really take more of a outfielder's approach and get more reps in the outfield playing in left field. We can't do Aaron Hicks. If Aaron Hicks is on the roster, whatever. If Aaron Hicks is a fourth outfielder, whatever. But let's see what McKinney has. Let's see what Calhoun has. Let's see what Ortega has. These guys are going to be in camp. These guys are going to be in spring training. They're going to be competing and battling and fighting for a spot. And we've seen, I don't know, guys like Derek Dietrich or Jay Bruce or other random, uh, you know, Troy Tulowitzki guys get invited to spring training and, and figure it out. And that's, you know, that's what it should be. Iron sharpens iron. Competition is coming up. We are not far away. It is 2023. Super Bowl end in like a month and a half. And then we'll be talking about pitchers and catchers reporting. And then a lot of you will be heading down there. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, though, he shows that he showed that he belonged, and he showed that he belonged, and he should get a shot to start somewhere. And the only real open spot is left field. But I just, I don't know. I look at the kid as having more value, being the guy you plug in when Rizzo needs a rest, when Judge needs a rest. You know what I'm saying? Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Keith McPherson back on the fan for one more hour. Let's hit that break right now. <laughs> 